Good morning, everyone. Um, it's great to have you at Cornerstone Church. Let me add uh, to welcome you all received from Marcus um, today. Um, today's passage that we are reading is uh, Matthew chapter 5, uh, 1 through 12. So if you have your Bibles, please do follow along um, as we go through. That's uh, Matthew chapter 5, 1 to 12. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the pure in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of the Lord. Let's just pray before John comes to, to speak from this passage. God, I pray that you would be settling our hearts now to receive your teaching from your word. And this morning we acknowledge, God, that you are the Alpha and Omega. You created all things, and yet you know the, the hairs on our heads. You know us intimately. And I thank you, Lord, that you have chosen your people. And I thank you, Lord, that you rejoice in us and that you have grafted us into your family. And I pray, Lord, as we um, dig into your word this morning, Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would be shining a light on our hearts, that you've asked us to be pure here in this passage. I pray that the Holy Spirit would be shining a light on our hearts, that we may see where we um, have hardened our hearts to you. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to receive forgiveness and help us to forgive also. Help us to um, see the sin in our lives and to just know that you have paid the cost of that sin and ask forgiveness for what you have done on the cross, Lord. We thank you for who you are. You are a loving God. You are our Savior. And we praise you this morning. So I pray, Lord, that you would be with John as he preaches from your word. Give him clarity of mind. Help us to have ears that hear from your words clearly. Um, I pray that your words would pierce into our hearts as they promised to do so. I pray also for our kids' spaces, Lord. I pray for those teaching, Lord. I pray that they would uh, instruct our kids with clarity. I pray that the words they will hear from your word would also impact their lives uh, with kingdom impact. So, Lord, be with us today. Thank you for who you are. You're a glorious, you're loving God. Amen. Amen. Thanks, John. Good morning, everyone. Morning. Uh, good to be with you today on this Sunday as we look at our, continue our series in the Beatitudes. Uh, we are building through them rightly. This is our sixth of the Beatitudes. And we come to blessed are the pure in heart, they shall see God. We live in, a, in a, an incredibly visual culture. 
Everything is judged by looks. Uh, and I say that, I say we live in an incredibly visual culture, but there, in reality, that's always the way it's been. We judge things, uh, and everything is judged around us by how it looks. We were watching yesterday afternoon, we were watching the, the, the Arsenal Nottingham Forest game on TV, and obviously, for anybody who's interested in football, if you're not interested in football, there is a point to the story. But uh, we were watching the Arsenal Forest game on TV, and it, it panned across often to the owner of Nottingham Forest because they were fighting for their lives for survival in the Premier League, and so the camera would turn to the, the Forest owner. Now, we were sitting watching this, and the camera would turn to the Forest owner, and Isaac said, Isaac said, that boy just... That boy just looks as if he has all the money in the world. That boy just looks as if he has all the money in the world. Now, the reason Isaac said this was because, he, according to Isaac, uh, the reason he said this was because he looked like somebody out of the mafia, right? But, and in particular, I don't even know if this is a thing, but in particular, the Turkish mafia. I don't know why that was. I don't, I don't know if, if there is a Turkish mafia or not. I don't know. But Isaac's take was, he had all the money in the world because he looked as if he was in the Turkish Mafia. Now, let's just say this. This boy, he was, he, I don't know how to phrase this and be politically correct. He wasn't afraid of a feed, let's just say, right? He, he, he wasn't afraid of the feed, all right? Now, actually, what I thought Isaac meant when he said that boy looks as if he has all the money in the world. In ancient culture, that is how you identified if someone had wealth if they were rather large, because they could eat plenty. That is literally how you could identify if someone had wealth in ancient culture because of the size of them. Isaac didn't obviously mean that. He thought Turkish mafia. I thought he meant just because of the size of them. Now, my point is this. It has always been the case. We judge things by how they look we make judgments on a daily basis based on how we see things. Do we not? We do. You've already made judgments this morning. Coming in here, no doubt, you've said, oh, look at that there. Look at there, Warren. You think they could have got something else. You've done that. No doubt. I did it at a bike race. We go to a bike race. We did it last Saturday. TJ will tell you. You rock up at a bike race and you see the guys with the new kit. You see the guys with the new bike. You see the guy, blah, blah, blah. The new Oakleys, they're looking well. You think they're going to be fast. You make a judgment on how they look. We do it all the time. We judge things on looks. That's always the way it's been. Probably the ultimate biblical example of this is in the choosing, was in the choosing of a king for Israel. Samuel had the remit to go and choose the king for Israel. And so he went. And he had a, he had a, like a tick box list in his head of what that king would look like. And, he, and, he, and that's exactly what he did. He based it on looks. So this tick box thing that he had in his head was height. Probably had to be tall to be a king. Strong, ideally. Good-looking, intelligent, and the list goes on and on and on and on. All those things, well, apart from intelligence, 
because people can hide that, trust me. Uh, uh, all those things based on outward stuff. And God almost has to step in and rebuke Samuel for that thinking, and this is what he says. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Man looks on outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. See, here's what matters. The heart. God is not interested on outward appearance. He doesn't care. All the way through Scripture, we will see this repeated over and over again. God does not care on how things look outwardly. He cares about what is going on in the heart. And this leads us to this beatitude. Remember the context. Jesus speaking to his disciples. This is probably the first teaching block of Jesus teaching his disciples. These are the main things that he wants to get into the disciples as before they go forward. And one of the first things is this. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. What does it mean to be pure in heart? Well, so far as we've walked through the Beatitudes, when we, when we came to meekness, we saw that there was a psalm that helped us define what meekness was. Psalm 37, if you can remember, trust in the Lord and do good. Thus, that helped us define what meekness was. Trust in the Lord, take your hands off it, and do good. That's what meekness is. We have another, we have another similar thing today where we have a, another psalm almost foreshadowing what Jesus would say in the Beatitudes. Psalm 24. Psalm 24, verse 3 and, uh, 3 and 4 says this, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in the holy place? In other words, when we're th who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in the holy place? Who will have fellowship with God? Who, who's that going to be? Who, can, who will be in heaven? Who can go to heaven? Who can be with God? Who can see God? Who can, have, who can have fellowship with Him? And whether we like it or not, or whether we even know it or not, that is the subconscious or conscious desire of every single human being. To have fellowship with God. That is what we're made for. That is our, that's our underlying heart's desire, whether we know it or not. That's why we were made. Who can enjoy that, who can ascend the hill of the Lord, who can stand in the holy place, who can have fellowship with God, who's going to make it? The answer, those who have clean hands and a pure heart. Clean hands and a pure heart. Who is it? The psalmist says, who can see God? The pure in heart. Jesus backs that up. 
Blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they shall see God. If you want to make it, you want to be in fellowship with God, here's what we need. Pure hearts, clean hands. If you want to experience the eternal pleasure and joy that God has for you, pure heart, clean hands. But what does that mean? What does it mean to have a pure heart? See, most of the time when the Bible talks about the heart, we know this, being Captain Obvious right now, but mo uh, almost all of the time when the Bible talks about the heart, it's not talking about that, that physical, muscular thing that's in our chest that pumps blood around our system. It's talking about the inner self, our spirit, our soul, our mind, whatever you want to put on that term, it's not talking about the physical heart. Jeremiah 17, 10, God says this, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind. These heart, this heart and mind are parallels for what's going on inside. So when Jesus talks about being pure in heart, we need to know what he's talking about. And this is what he's talking about. He's talking about being pure in, our, in ourselves. He means our inner self opposed to, and this is critical, opposed to our outer selves. It's the inward self that God is concerned with. Remember, that's, not, that's the heart, not the outer self. The word pure here is a Greek word, katharos, which means clean. This is a word, it's rich in Old Testament background, in the law, God commanded His priests in the temple to be clean, the people of God to be, not to be contaminated with animals or other certain, like, other religions. They were to be clean, set apart, set aside. And if they did come in contact or anyone from Israel came in contact with anything else that contaminated them, they were to cleanse themselves. And they had rituals and, and stuff to do that in a, in a particular order. They were to make themselves clean before they could worship God. As I say, they had rituals of washing and, and, and all things to carry out. And unfortunately, as we know with human beings, uh, many people, even in Israel, took this too far. They added things. They, they, they put on things. So, so God was very clear in his, in his guidelines. This is how you cleanse yourself. But then people seemed to add on stuff that, that were over and above that, which are not from God. That's what we tend to do as human beings. We tend to add to what God has already said. And the Pharisees in particular, they were totally consumed with being clean on the outside. They wanted to look the part. They wanted to, they wanted to portray holiness. They wanted to, to show out holiness and, and show out purity and show out cleanliness. So they would take these things to extremes of washing and, and, and being clean ceremonially. Ceremonially. Mark 7, 1 to 7, probably the best commentary on what it means, what it meant to the Jews to be clean. And Jesus' response to them was this listen to this. The Pharisees and some of the scribes gathered around him, and when they had come from Jerusalem and had seen that some of his disciples were eating their bread with impure hands, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they carefully wash their hands thus observing the traditions of the elders, 
And when they'd come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they cleanse themselves. And there were many other things that they had received in order to observe, such as washing of cups, pitchers, and copper pots. The Pharisees and scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders? But there they eat their bread with impure hands. And he said to them, listen to this, this is what Jesus said to the Pharisees. Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites. As it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. But in vain do they worship, teaching as doctrines the precepts of man. That's a condemning statement Jesus makes on the Pharisees. You, you, you worship me with your lips. You talk about me. You, you praise me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. And then, as I said, they had added on stuff. They had added on rites and rituals and stuff, teaching us doctrines, the precepts of man, not sticking exactly to what God had said, but adding on stuff. That's a condemning statement Jesus makes. Do you see what Jesus is doing? What he's saying? He is reprimanding the Pharisees, for being ritualistic about their outward cleansing. He said, you're so concerned with the traditions and the standards of man that your hearts have completely drifted from me. Your hearts, your, your inward thoughts, your emotions, your love are nowhere near me. He says, it's not the outward cleansing you should be concerned about. You should be concerned about your heart. So it is in that contrast to the religious mindset, the, the keeping to laws that are not even God-made, keeping to laws that are man-made, outward appearance stuff, Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart. He's, this opening teaching block to the disciples, Jesus says, that's what I want you to be concerned about. Purity of heart. Inward cleanliness. This isn't a new thing, as I say. God has always looked at the heart. Man decided somewhere along the line that outward appearance was more important. As I said, Jeremiah 17 I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind. Nothing new. So in this passage in Matthew 5, Jesus is saying what he wants the character of this new kingdom to look like. This is really important for us, folks. This is absolutely vital that we get this. We want to be members of the kingdom of God, be citizens of the kingdom of God. This is what it looks like. It looks like purity of heart. Externals don't matter. Our appearance doesn't matter. We look after the heart. We think about the heart. We guard the heart. 
That's what matters to God. So let me ask you a question. Do you want to see God? Do you want to have fellowship with God? We're given the answer here of how to do that. The Bible, again, is not behind the door. It's not trying to trick us. It's not trying to, it's not smoking mirrors. It is dead straight. It is those who are pure in heart that will see God, that will have fellowship with Him. Now, we need to be careful here because I hope you've been asking yourself a question and saying a few statements to yourself as we've been going along here this morning. And I hope this has been the statement that you've made to yourself. If I am required to have a pure heart to see God and to have fellowship with Him, I have no chance. If you've been sitting in here this morning and you've heard me say, the pure in heart, they will see God, and you need a pure heart, and this, blah, 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 and you've you've been sitting here thinking, you know what? I've nailed this. That's me. I would like to say there's the door, but (laughs) no. Because the reality is, none of us in this room have a pure heart. Not one. Not one of us walked in here this morning nailing this. Not one of us walked in here this morning. Not one of us opened our eyes this morning and probably kept them open for more than five seconds and have remained pure in heart. We just don't have that. Now, a lot of people will think, right, okay, and this is the sort of dichotomy of the whole thing. A lot of people will think, right, I don't have a pure heart, so what I need to do is work really hard. I don't have a pure heart. I know I don't have a pure heart, so I'll tip the scales. I'll do enough. I will be charitable enough. I'll be nice enough, whatever that looks like. I will do whatever, blah, 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 and I'll tip the scale. And we'll do good deeds, and we'll outweigh the bad. Now, and I guarantee you that most of us in here this morning will probably think to ourselves, oh, yeah, yeah, John, we, we, know that's not, we know that's not how we do things. And, and, and probably most of us, especially, like, we know that's what probably a lot of Catholics believe. Isn't that right? We know what, we know what they, they believe. They believe that they'll tip the scales and, and they'll get in. Let me tell you now. Let, let me just be honest, straight up with you right now. There are more so-called Protestants that believe their good works is going to be enough to save them than even they would like to believe. We cannot point the finger at one group of people and say, oh, oh, well, they think that, that we don't think that. Not a chance. There are more so-called Protestants who wouldn't even know what the term means believe that their good works are going to save them. They will out-tip the scales. That is not what the Bible teaches. 
Here's what the Bible says. Listen to this. To make it, right? To make it. To be there. To be in the kingdom. To, to, to make it to heaven even. And, and that, that's, I would imagine we're in church. We all want to go there. Yeah, right? Let's just take that for a given. We're all, yeah, we're all in. To be in heaven, what you need, this is the requirement, absolute perfect righteousness. Anyone? Absolute perfect righteousness. That's what the requirement is. Later in the chapter, verse 48, Jesus says, Therefore, you must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Right. Amen. Let's go and try to live out our week now. Yeah? The kingdom of God heaven, the new heavens and new earth, will be perfect. Nothing imperfect will be there. So we must be totally clean, pure hearts, clean hands to be there. That's what Scripture teaches. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. It takes total purity to get to heaven. To see God. You see, the idea, the idea that any goodness that we have or any good that we do will outweigh our bad is completely flawed. You see, even the smallest amount of sin Whatever you think the smallest amount of sin may be, even the smallest amount is enough to condemn us before a holy God. That's what the Bible teaches us. Who among us can say we have clean hands? Who among us can say we have pure hearts? Proverbs 29, verse, 20, verse 9 asks that very question. Who can say I have cleansed my heart? I am pure from my sin. The answer is none of us. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We know this stuff. That's why, that is why a beatitude like blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. That is why all of those verses lead us to one place and one place only. To fall at the foot of Jesus. To fall at the foot of the cross and plead for mercy. God knows our hearts. He knows that we're sinners. He knows that we have sinned. He knows that we can never do it on our own. That is why Jesus was sent. To pay for our sins, to make us 
pure, to make us whiter than snow. 1 John 1 says that we trust in Him, that the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. And so when that cleansing happens, we are clean. I'm going to have to explain something in a minute, but, but we are clean in God's eyes. It is called, and this is a theological term which I will explain, it is positional righteousness. Before God, we are clean. Now, does that mean, now, I'll just ask a question, does that mean that we are pure here and that we do not sin? Anybody? No, it doesn't. But we have in Christ what is known as positional righteousness. Before Him, we are clean because of Jesus Christ. When we trust in Jesus, the perfect one, the perfect righteousness, we receive that through Him. So what this verse does is bring us to our knees again before the cross. Admit that we're sinners. Admit that we don't have pure hearts. Cry out like David did in Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God. But when you do that, be assured that he has. You are positionally perfect before God if you have accepted Jesus as your Savior. But, Purity of heart applies more than just getting our hearts ready for heaven. It also means that as disciples now, God wants us to focus on purity of heart. It's not as if, right, okay, it's not as if, I'm not saying anybody does this, but it's not as if, we go, okay, we're positionally righteous before God. We know we're saved. We know we're clean. We know we're pure before God. All of that. I'll just live how I want. Stuff it. I'm, I know I'm secure. I can do all I want. I can sin all I want. Blah, blah, blah. No. There has to be a grace-driven effort towards purity. Towards holiness. There has to be. And I find being really honest, I think we've lost something of this. I think we've lost something of a, a driven, a grace-driven effort towards holiness and purity. It's almost as if we don't give a stuff sometimes. We know we're saved, we know we're secure. So what? That is not the Christian life. It is not the discipleship life. There has to be an effort towards holiness, purity. As I say, this is one of the first sermons that Jesus preaches to his disciples. And it's not blessed are you when you read so much of the Bible. It's not blessed are you when you give so much money. It's not blessed are you when you do this, do that. It's blessed are you when you have a pure heart. It 
All those outward actions may or may not involve the heart, but he wants the heart. If you've noticed, all of the, all of the, the Beatitudes thus far are to do with inward being, poor in spirit, mourning, meekness, merciful. They all flow from a heart that is given over to Christ. We must pursue purity, pursue righteousness, pursue holiness. We find the same thing later in Matthew 5. Jesus goes into further detail of what this purity of heart looks like. He says his followers must not just keep the law, but, but have an inward righteousness. Not enough, he'd go on to say, and I think we're going to go on and continue in the Sermon on the Mount, actually, after we finish the Beatitudes, but, but he says it's not enough not to commit murder, just in case you were wondering. It's not enough just not to commit murder, but not to be angry in your heart. It's not enough not to just commit adultery, but not to lust in your heart, so on and so on. The point is... The externals don't matter. God cares about the heart. Later in Matthew 23, 25, Jesus condemned some of the religious leaders of their time because they looked good on the outside, but their hearts were filthy on the inside. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! For you clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside they are full of robbery and self-indulgence. Jesus is saying that one of the big problems of the day was that these supposedly religious people had made themselves look really good on the outside, but inwardly they were rotten. And there are many of us who are the same. Your outward life can look as clean as a whistle. But there are men in here who are addicted to porn. There are women in here who are indulging in things to self-medicate that they should not be. And it all looks clean. And it all looks tidy. And it all looks nice. But it's rotten on the inside. Nice, neat appearance. Sometimes I think we think we can get away with it because we don't wear shirts and ties and dresses and cornerstone or whatever. We're, we're cool. So we're all casual and stuff. And we're all looking nice, neat, and tidy on the outside, but we're rotten on the inside. You can look like a model citizen, and your mind and your heart 
can still be in the gutter. And trust me, you may well fool everybody in here. But you will not fool God. Not for one second. He sees through it all. He sees through the smile. He sees through the fancy clothes. He sees through it all. And all the time, all the time, this is what your Father in Heaven wants you to do. Drop it all and run to Him. Drop all the pretense. Run to Him. Drop all the show. Run to Him. That's what He wants. He wants you. The messed up, screwed up, rotten on the inside. You. That's who he wants. Hard to believe, but true. Hard to believe, but true. This week, the world, this world, lost one of the all-time great theologians, Timothy Keller. And I'm paraphrasing. But one of his best quotes, I think, was this. You are, look at me when I'm saying that, you are more sinful and more flawed than you can ever imagine. And you are also more known and more loved than you can ever dare to believe. That's the good news of the gospel. That's the good news of the gospel. Not that you have to show, not that you have to pretend, not that you have to portray something else, but you can be you and be fully accepted and fully loved and fully known. Christian disciples are not to be concerned merely about what we look like or what we portray, but we are to be concerned about what is going on inside. That's what God sees. That's what God cares about. Not just have I done my quiet time, but do I love the Lord. Not just am I reading my Bible, but do I delight in the Lord? Not just am I visiting people and being good to people, but do I love people because I love the Lord? Not just am I giving, but am I thankful in my heart for what God has given me, and I show it by what I give? Not just do I have the ticket to heaven, but do I long to be with God? Am I hungry? Am I 
thirsty for righteousness. Those are matters of the heart. God is looking at the heart, not just what we do, not just what we show. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Don't, don't walk out of here today with condemnation hanging over yourself. The Bible tells us, for those who are in Christ, there's no condemnation. There's a massive difference, however, between condemnation and conviction. Condemnation does not come from God. Conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. And so if you've been convicted today, if you've felt the Spirit convicting you on things, deal with it. As I say, your Father wants you to just run to Him. Deal with it. Don't shy away from it. Deal with those heart issues that you know you're wrestling with right now. Don't let it slip on. Do it now. Let's pray. <coughs> Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that it does convict. That's what it's part of its intention through your spirit is to convict us. And so far as we look as we've been looking at this statement that Jesus made, help us to know, if we're in Christ in here this morning, help us to know, Holy Spirit, that we're in you and that we're secure and we're safe and we are positionally righteous and we're positionally pure, all of those things. Help us to know that without a shadow of a doubt. Help us to know that. But also speak to us about where we need to pursue purity, where we need to pursue righteousness where we need to repent of sin and where we need to trust in Jesus again. Thank you for your word. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.